following program is intended for mature audiences. The time is now for the hardest hit, yet completely trivial, football show on the planet. You are in rarefied territory. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Broken Helmet. Let's rock. Coming to you live on tape, Rich Eggie here with the Broken Helmet for this Tuesday, September 1st. And if it is Tuesday, September 1st, that means we have eclipsed cut day in the NFL. And as we know, with cut day, there are some big names that hit the high wire. And first and foremost... It's none other than Mike Richards. That's right. The executive producer of Jeopardy and Wheel of Fortune. The first notable cut of this cut day, even though he has nothing to do with the NFL at all. He does definitely have something to do with a little bit of news because this dope decided that uh, he wanted to not only be the executive producer, he wanted to be the host of Jeopardy, and in doing so, basically put the spotlight on himself and a whole bunch of podcasts that were recorded in the past, where he might have said some things that were shock jockish, although not shock jockish, which then got him removed from being the host as The Ringer wrote a big, gigantic hit piece on his old podcasts and then ultimately got him poo-pooed and chicken. So anyway, his quest for fame ended up with a spot in the unemployment line. But that has no relevance to any of the cuts that would apply to the NFLs. It's just a fun little cut story. Uh, see, it's a, it's a you know it's a word word game here. Uh, anyway, um, cut date was today, yesterday, I guess, and as such, we had a whole slew of moves. Although not, I mean, for the most part earth-shattering, with the exception of one, of course, who we know that is, and that would be the great Cam Newton, although I don't know if you could call him great anymore. But before we get into cuts, let's start with the story that continues to just chug along like a train on the tracks, just full of train juice. Uh, I don't know what they run on, so I'm going to say train juice. It's not coal anymore. It's some kind of fuel of some sort, I'm sure. Uh, but anyway, this train is that of sexual chocolate, Mr. Deshaun Watson, because he is continually in the news. It has been forever now since he stated he wanted out of Houston last, whatever, March, was it? And has continued on and on and on. And even though he is not practicing and he is on the Texans, 
He has been in the news continually, and now the newest stories that are bringing his name and throwing it into the spotlight is that of the Dolphins and the trade rumors of sexual chocolate landing in sunny Florida. And as the story goes, there were several teams that were noted along the way since March that had interest, some coming off the top of my head, Eagles, Panthers, Dolphins, um, uh, did I say the Panthers already? If I didn't, I just did. Anyway, a bunch of teams were interested in Mr. Watson's services. Obviously, after the masseuses came forward and said he was a little forward with their masseuse therapy on his upper thighs, where I have all of my all of my stress, um, it turned out that some of these teams immediately pulled out. Others just kind of faded away, and we were left with not a whole hell of a lot. And then the Eagles go turn around and trade for Gardner Minshew, get him on the cheap on the sixth, uh, I think it was a sixth round pick. And when that ends up happening, uh, the first immediate thing you think is, okay, well, Watson wasn't going there and they were pretty hot and heavy in all of the rumors. So what does that really leave, right? David Tepper, obviously the new owner for the Panthers, had made a strong statement about wanting him, whether it was on the record or just off the record, I don't remember, but it was obviously noted that David Tepper was a fan and wanted him on the team. And I guess, you know, why not originally before the masseuses came forward? Because... Watson is a premier quarterback in this league. And if you know anything about the NFL, you are not winning shit unless you have a premier talent at quarterback. I mean, obviously, people point to the 22,000 Ravens and they say, oh, they did it with Trent Dilfer. It's the only time you ever hear the Trent Dilfer thing come through because most, if not all, of the Super Bowl champions throughout history had a notable quarterback of some way, shape, and form sans the one-offs here and there. So uh, Tepper had interest in him and may still, but the Eagles, obviously, with the Minshew addition, you would think that they would have taken a backseat. Sam Darnold has not looked terrible in preseason, but I I was always of the opinion that because of the nature of the Panthers' transition in ownership, and the uh, I I know that they were racial, but I think that they also were sexual. But anyway, the controversy surrounding the previous Panther ownership that they would have stayed away from yet another story such as this um, for their franchise for their member club. Whether or not that's accurate or not, that was just always my feeling, personal feeling, is that they would have stayed away from this. Well, anyway, the Dolphins are now thrown in the spotlight because Yahoo's Charles Robinson, who's been reporting for Yahoo for quite a while, he's one of their NFL guys, pretty solid reporter, he came out, basically dropped his nuts on the table and said, here you go, this is my report, that Dolphins are trading for Deshaun Watson, it's happening book it, right, of which all of a sudden everybody starts running around frantically trying to find any kind of corroborating 
information, which they do not find any of. And then he turns around and basically says, I defy anyone with the Dolphin organization to come out and say that they have not had discussions for trading for Deshaun Watson. Hey, look, a lot of people might have had discussions with themselves about trading Deshaun Watson. They probably had many discussions with the Texans that you would not have known of. Because my personal feeling is that for every two or three stories that you hear, there's probably 20 that you don't hear about people talking about exchanging players in one way, shape, or form. There is tampering rules. There's all kinds of things that, I mean, basically just the politics of it all outside of tampering rules that would prevent you from hearing all the talks that take place. But regardless, sure, I'm sure the Dolphins had conversations about Deshaun Watson. So Robinson's, uh, I don't know, line in the sand that he drew is pretty easy one to defend. Regardless, I you know, I mean, he basically was just saying, look, what I am saying is that they're making a play for him somehow. So that then finally gets a little bit of meat behind it on top with a second story because the second story ends up coming from Pro Football Talk as they quote a quote-unquote league source. <laughs> Always a quote-unquote and, and vague something. So a league source saying that owner Stephen Ross is the one that's driving this and he really wants Deshaun Watson. Well, look. Great. We, again, probably assume this as we would probably assume many an owner would want Deshaun Watson. So, again, it, none of this to me is very earth-shattering in terms of reporting. They have been linked to, the Dolphins that is, have been linked to the Texans basically from the get-go of this. And to me, none of this changes the fact that Deshaun Watson has a huge civil case against him, which I understand is not criminal. However, does have several uh, complaints criminal in nature as the women are not part of the civil case. And all that stuff is with the DA. So there was an article that, that came out recently and I forget where it was. I mean, knowing me, it probably I, I probably read it on PFT, but I don't remember who originated it, right? Because PFT is just a clipping site at this point. But um, that basically said that because of the legal situation of the Deshaun Watson case, that this could continue all year in a form that doesn't present Watson as being susceptible to the commissioner's exemplist, thereby allowing him to play all year long. So all they would really need to do is get him off of the Texans, where he will never play another down, and onto said new team, where he could then continue his career. Until, of course, I mean, unless, of course, there is a criminal complaint that is filed against him, and then the commissioner's exemplist would come into play. I From... The article and my memory, the civil case does not 
qualify for the commissioner's exempt list. You can Google it. I'm almost positive that's how the story goes. So, he is not going to play so long as he's on the Texans. Maybe he plays if he's off of the Texans. So, how do you get him off the Texans? Well, you need to find another team that's willing to trade. And then you have to find a team that is not only willing to trade, but is also willing to pay the price that you want. And here, it has been stated that the Texans' desire, desired trade exchange is basically Fort Knox. I, I, I mean, they want number one picks out the wazoo. I think three is what I remember reading, uh, along with with something else. I, you know, you're not going to get that. You're not going to get that number one because nobody would expend those kinds of assets on any one single player. Even if that player is Deshaun Watson or let's just say a uh, premier quarterback in his youth in the NFL. Even that being the case, and here is NFL Network's Ian Rappaport information on it, was that the Texans are looking for, quote-unquote, three first-round picks and more in exchange of that. So, and more. So, the three first-round picks aren't going to get the job done. You're going to need more on top of that. Sure, the three first-round picks would end up locking you in to a quarterback who is a defined talent, right? But you've seen in recent past what continually throwing away your first-round draft picks does. I Look at the Rams right now and what they have done with their member club and how they have thrown away all of their draft picks, which they continue to do. Sony Michelle, thanks. In order to fill up their roster, you just get hamstrung because you don't have any flexibility in trying to change the team down the road. Now, if the Watson thing, for whatever reason, doesn't work out, and you gave three ones... And then some. You're really hamstrung. I said hamstrung once, and you were, you'd be hamstrung. Now I'm saying really, and I put a really in front of it, which means that it means a whole lot more. Um, but the three first round picks plus you need those picks. You you need to fill in positions. Granted, the draft is lucky in some senses and kind of a crapshoot in others. It's definitely not a defined science. But you need it because when you do do it right, it ends up defining a member club for years. So if the Dolphins feel that they have put together a roster that can withstand losing three first-round picks, 
to get Deshaun Watson, well, you know what, then you should probably make the playoffs this year with Tua. Granted, Tua isn't a nightmare. Now, that's another question all in itself. I will say that I don't think Tua is really that good. I have not seen anything from Tua that gives me any sort of confidence in him being under center for the Dolphins. Does that mean that I would trade three first-round picks plus for Deshaun Watson? No. I'd probably go out there and try to find another quarterback. But, I mean, well, never say never. Never say never. Uh, As I waffle here, thinking about would I trade three first-round draft picks no, because you know what? It, what's going to happen is you're going to lose players to free agency, to injury. Things aren't going to work out with your team. Then you're going to want to go back to that first-round pick, and it's just not going to be there, right? And you're not going to be able to improve while other teams do improve. So, I mean, hell, Joe Montana got a first-round pick. One first-round pick for Joe Montana. Not in his prime, not young at the time when he left from... San Francisco to go to Kansas City. But still, Joe Montana's getting one first round pick. You know, Deshaun Watson isn't getting three plus. But anyway, that comes out into the news today and it was all over the place. Sorry, it came out in the news, I guess, yesterday, the day before, and has continually been in the news because everybody wants to see what's going to happen with the end of this sexual chocolate extravaganza, which I, I don't think it's going to end anytime soon. I know the Dolphins now have kind of been made pot committed to this uh, because once you read all of this, you kind of know that there definitely have been conversations being had. I'm not I never wanted to insinuate that Charles Robin was Robinson wasn't reporting accurately. My whole point was that everything he was saying was rather nebulous to the point that you could easily say, yeah, of course, these things happen. But. I do think that they've happened. If you're Tua, you're reading these things, and you know that they don't like you anymore, or they they just don't want you at the helm, I, maybe that fires them up. Maybe that's a good thing, right? Maybe that pisses them off. Maybe that's a good thing, too. Or maybe it pisses them off, and it's a bad thing because his play slides because he just knows that the team that he's played for doesn't want him there at all. Uh, who knows? You know, You don't know until these games start being played. But... I mean, for right now, I think the Dolphins are left there with Tua. A really messy situation now in terms of public relations and their relationship with Tua. While the Texans just continue to just sit there and sit pretty from a public relations standpoint. And terribly from a football talent standpoint. Because their team needs to get this quarterback on the ground. uh, On the ground. Uh, You know. Uh, they need the quarterback under center. That's how the team was built. And now he is no longer there. And they have Tyra Taylor instead of Deshaun Watson. So there you go. Uh, and this kid, this story obviously will continue on and on. Uh, let's go down to New Orleans. This is the other big story. Obviously, the hurricane just came through and really smacked New Orleans upside the head. And as a result, they have flooding. They have terrible Uh, electricity issues, and the Saints are now going to have to readjust their schedule for probably about a calendar month, seems to be what people are thinking. And 
I, I, I don't know. Maybe that's about right. Maybe it's not. Let's just say it's a month. Obviously not what you want for any team. Definitely not what you want for a Saints team who is going to be changing a quarterback and replacing a future Hall of Famer who has been the franchise, I, I mean, figurehead for I don't know how long now, the face of the franchise for 10 years now, however long it's been, he's been there. And you're switching over to James Winston, who is a pick machine. And now, on top of that, you're not even going to be able to play at home for the foreseeable future because the town is flooded. So, um, not good. I, you know, not what you wanted. It probably said that definitely their first game was going to have to move. The possibilities for that is basically AT&T Stadium, which is where the Cowboys play. They also had TCU, which could be an option, option SMU, which could have been an option. But none of those options are the, well, it's not, is it the uh, Superdome? Or was it the Mercedes-Benz Dome? And then they changed it? Or did Atlanta change their Mercedes-Benz? Whatever it was. They're not going to be able to play in the Superdome. And they're going to have to now go on the road and for the first month of the game. So everything's going to be a road game. So let's take a quick look-see at their schedule for the year and see who they have to go up against. Now, the first game on the schedule was uh, the game they're playing against the Packers, which was supposed to be in St. Louis and will not now. Uh, St. Louis it was supposed to be in New Orleans and is not now, and they were saying that might have to go. That's a, that's a tough game to start off against the Packers. It, what was a home game and now is not a home game. So uh, the Packers game on September 12th would be away from New Orleans. Then on September 26th, no, that looks to be an away game. I think the Saints versus the Giants October 3rd would also have to be away. So... I think those would be the two games you lose. The other two games, you're going to be on the road. Saints at the Panthers, Saints at the Patriots. So you're going to have to play the Packers, which was supposed to be at home. Now it's going to be on the road. Then you're playing the Panthers already on the road. You're playing the Pats already on the road. And then you were playing the Giants at home, but that's going to have to be on the road somewhere there. That's a tough beginning of the of the season. Now, great, the Panthers might be garbage, but... The Packers definitely aren't. And the Patriots, with Mac Jones at the helm, look to be monsters. Monsters. Then you got the Giants. That's okay. Then you got Washington. You know, take those two. That's, that's a double win. So on and so forth. But the beginning of the season for the Saints look to be pretty tough. Looks to be pretty tough because they're not going to be able to play at home. Then, obviously, Mark Richards got cut. And a bunch of other people got caught too. Because it was, after all, cut day. And we're not talking about, you know, the people who you knew were going to get cut. I mean, you looked at some of the names today and you were like, please? Devontae Freeman, come on. You, you couldn't play with the Giants last year. And you're a little long in the tooth. That's, that's the only term I'm going to use for old people, long in the tooth. I said it 8 million times in previous uh 
podcast, and I'll continue going forward. But anyway, Devontae Freeden wasn't good last year and getting old. Dante Foreman, man, this running back, he has gotten hurt everywhere he's went. Everybody's given him a shot, and then he's just getting cut. It's His career, you would imagine, is done. Chris Hogan, this guy was playing fucking field, uh, field hockey. Um, lacrosse, you know, two months ago. He wasn't coming on. R.J. McIntosh, hell, he just got traded from the uh, Giants. Well, no, he didn't get traded. B.J. Hill got traded from the Giants. McIntosh uh, came on at some point, but he never got on the field for the Giants. They drafted him, and he was hurt right away, out of the gate. It's amazing that he stayed on this long. Kiki Kuti, everybody knows him because he's this fantasy darling slot receiver that never, ever touched the field. Never. And then he would have like one game where he might have like 10 fantasy points. Everyone's like, oh, Kiki Kuti, there he is. We knew he was going to come out. Well, he just got cut. So, Ryan Izzo, Davis Webb. Yeah, that Davis Webb quarterback. You remember him? Giants drafted him trying to uh, replace Eli at a certain point. Bobby Hart, he was another one-point giant. John Reed, he got just got traded for from Seattle. They got rid of him. Nick Falk, haha, Clinton did. Travis Benjamin, there you go. Two more old names. Ha ha and Travis Benjamin. Those two are old. Wayne Goldman, he, he replaced uh, Saquon last year. Was so good that Giants ended up letting him go. Peyton Barber, he's like 50. David Mayo, another ex-Giant. How many ex-Giants are on this list? God, they draft and sign terrible people. Artie Burns, Amir Abdullah, Patrick Amame. Oh, yep, guess what? Another giant. Uh, Shaquem Griffin, the linebacker, not the good Griffin, the other one. Uh, Bernard Mc, uh, McKinney, Bernard Dick McKinney, who was part of the whole Shaq Lawson deal. Now the Shaq Lawson got moved to another team, and McKinney just got cut. Thaddeus Moss, his middle name is I'm Not Randy. Jalen Samuels, I, all these guys. I mean, this is why the preseason is hot garbage. Because, you know, you watch somebody like the Giants' David Sills all summer long, or all summer long, all preseason long, and he gets featured in like two of the three games. And then when it comes to, and he couldn't do anything more wrong, uh, I mean, we're right. He caught a, a ton of balls, looked great. <laughs> And then he gets cut anyway because they kept players that, I mean, who uh, they kept him, they cut him, they cut David Sills, and they ended up keeping John Ross, I think, who was on the pup list. Um, they kept Dante Pettis, who was a ghost all preseason. But the guy that played well, he gets cut. It's why you just can't invest too much time into preseason, with the exception of injuries. And trades and so on. Because th- that's what really matters. It's just the injury rookies and any kind of trades that take place. So anyway, cuts that did happen definitely showed that COVID was going to be an issue. And if you had any hesitation that it was, Jackson's Urban Meyer came up today and stated, and this is a quote, quote unquote, everyone was considered that was part of the production and also he was vac was he vaccinated or not to say that it was a decision maker it certainly was under consideration okay so this is what we have talked about with covid on this podcast for a while now and that is my firm belief that all of this covid bullshit and getting vaccinated for the nfl teams is nothing more than the team's desire 
to have their players on the field playing and have the ability to come back quickly based on the rules and COVID process that they put in place to obviously, I don't know, get ahead of the curve, look good, try to prevent the spread within each team. You know, they desire all those things, right? But in reality, what they really want is all of their players on the field. So they want to create a system that looks good from a public relations standpoint, and then they want to hamstrung everybody to fitting in that system, whether or not you know they agree with you making people get their COVID shots. And the pushback that they're not mandating the players, no, you're not. But now you're cutting players that are on the fringe because the way that this thing is set up, if you're not vaccinated and you test positive, you're out 10 days. If you're vaccinated and you test positive, you just got to give two clean tests in a 48-hour period. So now you have teams like the Rams who have 52 of 53 players vaccinated, and they're sitting pretty because should one of their players ever pop, they can come back in 48 hours so long as they provide clean tests. Now, where the NFL is going to run into problems is with the newest development on the testing front because the NFL and the NFLPA have come up with a new agreement where they are going to test weekly vaccinated players for COVID. What we have seen so far is that vaccinated players have contracted this quite a bit. The quote-unquote breakthrough case is not that breakthrough. With two weeks in between testing, however, depending on how fast COVID comes in and out of your system, which had a short period, there was a chance that you could catch COVID, test positive, but you're not tested, and then you kick it, and then the next time they test you, you're negative, but you already had it, and in the meantime, while you did have it, you don't have a mask on because you're vaccinated, you don't, you're not required, and so you spread it all around. So to curb that, and this is an offshoot of the Justin Pugh situation that happened a couple of weeks ago where he said, I could have had it and spread it to everybody. So now, as a flip, to try to account for that, they have, whoa, I am watching ESPN and I am looking at Scott Van Pelt. And unless I am crazy, he has turned into a leopard-looking man. He has freckles all over him. All over his face. He's got tons of freckles. Did I never notice that? Did he always have freckles? Wow, that is so weird. Anyway, where the hell was I? Oh yeah, COVID. So, the NFL now bumping up the testing 
because of Justin Pugh's, you know, point that I could have had it and spread it all throughout while I had it. It's just going to put more people at risk of testing positive. Now, what do you mean, testing at risk? What the hell are you talking about? If they have COVID, they should be found out. I, I mean, I guess so. But the the fact of the matter is that the NFL players are not living in the bubble like they did last year. Nobody is. And you really have no hardcore data to tell you whether or not the general population is actually more COVID positive than negative. Because people in Gen Pop don't test frequently. The only people that test are the ones that are being required to now by their work or they genuinely just feel super ill. But the average person that gets a case of sniffles, that person's never testing. So we don't even know what the numbers would really be like if it was a true sample of the American population. And now you have the NFL trying to test at a high-frequency rate to, yes, protect their players and prevent COVID from spreading within the teams when somebody's infected. But in the same breath, is going to raise the positive rate because there's going to be people that have it that just don't even know it. And then those people are out. And that's why the vaccination comes into play big because that allows you to get back on the field in 48 hours should you provide two negative tests 24 hours apart. Right? So that comes out today. Urban Meyer says that COVID plays a part, obviously, because as we said, these NFL teams want everybody vaccinated so they don't have to sit out for 10 days. So I don't... I didn't see any names that caught my eye enough to ask, ooh, were they vaccinated or not? I mean, sorry. It's not happening. I, you know, I, They're keeping great players. They're just trimming fat with the COVID, you know, with, with the COVID uh, variable being applied to these cuts. I, it's just not coming into play all that much, in my opinion. But it does show you that the game being played right now is to get players vaccinated to keep them on the field. And then they've done a solid from the public relations standpoint because they're protecting everybody and they've given themselves a way to have their players come back and play. Right? So, all right. Anyway, so uh, next up outside of COVID is the other big story, which I some probably would argue this is what you should have just talked about right at the gate. But anyway, Cam Newton got cut. That was it. And everybody was very shocked on it because I, people thought that he might take a back seat and not play. People did not, or you know, not start, but people did not think that they were going to outright cut him. And my brother and I had talked about this in our fantasy wide receiver program. And my brother brought it up, and I agreed with him that the thing about Belichick is he always has a plan. 
And so we both said, yeah, they're not just going to get rid of Cam because they have him on the squad for some reason. And I asked the question, true, but the thing that I always think about is whether or not Parcells had a plan, got Cam Newton to test out that plan, but if the results of your trials produce shit results, do you then just turn around and bail on it? And that's kind of exactly what happened, in my opinion. I watched him again on Sunday night playing the Giants, and it might have been his first throw. I forget. It was one of his throws, and it was just a short arm ball in the dirt. Then he threw another bad ball outside, and I just said, wow, this guy's arm is no good anymore. Period. It's been that way for a while. It's always been an issue. It continues to be an issue, and he still looks bad. Now, surprising that Pat's cut him? Sure, because who else do they have? Oh, you got Brian Hoyer. Great. Well, guess what? He got cut, too. (laughs) So now the, the Patriots have no quarterbacks outside of Mac Jones. They'll obviously bring somebody around and stid him. I guess he'll come off the pup. That's it. If he's on the pup, that's like six six weeks. So good luck with that. Um, I mean, a shocking move, maybe in the sense that you thought by bringing him back a second year that Belichick's idea was to definitely keep him for something. Not shocking by watching his tape and seeing how bad the arm is. Because it's so bad, you can't... I personally cannot imagine ever seeing my team perform well when the quarterback's just throwing seven-yard dirt balls. It just... It's not a possibility. I think the bigger... I think Hoyer is the bigger question mark out of this. I completely understood when I heard that Cam Newton was cut. When they cut Hoyer, too, I was like, whoa, well, who the hell is going to back up your quarterback now? Right? Or Unless you're going to go out and get somebody. But, wow. Cam walks away with $3.5 million. That's $3.5 million for not playing it down. Brian Hoyer, I don't know what he gets, but he didn't get nearly as much. But way... More than me. Um, but he's got a little happy trails in him as he gets cut, and now the Patriots have Mac Jones and nobody else. So as a result, his numbers for rookie of the year wagering went through the roof. Went from plus eight hundred to plus four fifty. If you had watched the preseason, as I did, and I just had not put down a prop yet, but his play so easily warranted a bet on Rookie of the Year. And I would imagine that there are a bunch of Mac Jones tickets that were out there for plus 800. Me, I I don't even know. I, you know, Trevor Lawrence, I think, is still the favorite to me. Uh, you know, and, and this is not a gambling podcast per se this week, but Najee Harris at plus 800. Oh, give me that all day long. You know, that guy ends up running for 11, 1,200 yards. They make the playoffs or something. I mean, it, 
surefire. Now, granted, if he has a great year and Mac Jones has a great year, Mac Jones is going to be the winner. So that's just the way that it goes. But um, I did like when I was saw the prices. I did like Najee Harris at plus eight hundred. So um, that's it for Cam Newton for me. I again shocking, yes, to an extent. Um, but like really utterly shocking. I can't believe it happened. No, not really. I Belichick tried everything he could to utilize him in a manner that he was comfortable with. It didn't happen. It didn't show. Bad arm, the whole nine, and away she went. So, um, otherwise, we'll just run down some of these real quick. Uh, Bengals cut Michael Jordan. He started 19 games over the first two seasons to uh, for the Bengals, and now he got cut. So say hello, Giants, because you need linemen. Uh, the Vikings cut <laughs> defensive end Everson Griffin, who they just brought back, and he had to just go and grovel and go tell Kirk Cousins, I'm really sorry I called you ass, but you're the man now, and did that. Did a couple of other mea culpas, and he got canned for it. So, uh, Giants definitely probably make a play for him, I would imagine. Or, I'm sorry, uh, Griffin. Um, Jets make a play for him, because if you look at the Jets, the Jets are going after everybody. Deion Jordan, Shaq Lawson. I, they'll take any They'll take any pass rusher they can, and Griffin fits that mold. So, I imagine that they'll try to make a play for him. The Raiders cut John Brown because he turned around. He was like, you guys don't want me here. You don't want me playing here, so just get get rid of me. And they abided by it. So Smokey Brown floating out there for anybody that needs wide receiver help. I wonder if you could see him. Uh, you know, would he be all right in, with the Pats, New England? Possibility. Um, could also go out and maybe play a role for Green Bay. That would be another one. I mean, John Brown at this point is probably going to go, I mean, unless he just can't get a job with one of the better-named teams and just goes for a uh, a paycheck, which, I mean, Las Vegas, do you really think they're going to be a good team? Anyway, John Brown floating out there. Uh, the Rams cut Michael Kaiser. You remember him. He's a linebacker. 2018 fifth-round pick. He actually played linebacker at the beginning of last year before he got hurt, and he was pretty good. I mean, I'm not mistaken. I think he was slated as their middle. They're starting in the middle. Uh, and now, uh, just a couple of years later, he is gonzo. Xavier Jones, the running back who people were trying to pick up and figure out if it was going to be Xavier Jones or Jake Funk, he needs Achilles surgery, so he is going to be off the squad. So Michael Kaiser and Xavier Jones both cut by the Rams. The Titans turned around and cut Dex Fitzpatrick, who was a draft pick they just had. They traded up to pick that guy in the fourth round, and now Dex is no good. Dexter, okay show. Dex Fitzpatrick, not a good wide receiver, and kicked to the curb. 
So that leaves the Ravens as the next on the board. They ended up waving their fifth-round pick, Ben Mason. Remember him? He got a lot of a lot of hype as a fullback at a Michigan barreling over people, whatever. Anyway, he is gone along with Pernell McPhee, the linebacker uh, rusher. He is out the door. The Cowboys waved Ben DiNucci. Ah, oh, so sad. So sad. Ben DiNucci should have kept him. He was so bad when he finally got the pill last year when he got thrown in. I believe uh, Dalton got hurt, right? Well, we all know that uh, Dak broke his leg in half. But then I think uh, Dalton got hurt, which, you know, started the Ben DiNucci era. And the Ben DiNucci era did not last long at all. Uh, Deswave cornerback Desmond Trufant, he actually just came into town. Uh, this summer, and they got him. They let go of Kyle Fuller, and then they tried to replace him with Desmond Trufant. Well, they turned around and waved him. He was that good. Raiders ended up waving safety Carl Joseph. Remember, Joseph, they drafted him. They ended up drafting him in the first round of 2016. He left and went to Cleveland and then played last year, but returned to the Ra- Raiders this year, and that was no good because they turned around and got rid of him. They got rid of him for crying out loud. But they did draft uh, Trevon Morig. Uh, and if you remember that, that he they drafted him in the second round. And when they did that, everybody was like, oh, they're going to they're gonna start him. Somebody's in trouble. And that ended up being Carl Joseph uh, because he's going to take his spot. And then the Giants waved pass rusher Afadi Denubo. Denubo. I, I'm been trying for a year to say it. But anyway, he's from the Vikings. He ended up leaving, going to the Giants. In all likelihood, he's going to return to the Vikings. They just got rid of Everson Griffin. So there you go. The Giants also waved Corey Clement, who they took from uh, Philadelphia. And I don't know who they think that they're going to play. I, I mean, the fact that they kept... I mean, they Corey Booker, who... I, Booker, Devontae Booker, who looked terrible, and they're gonna they're gonna keep Devontae Booker and cut Corey Clement. Okay, um, I guess so. So, and then I read off a whole bunch of people that got traded otherwise. So, other pieces of news and notes: there was a couple of trades. The Jets shipped off tight end Chris Herndon, who I liked. Uh, previously. Well, anyway, they sent him to the Vikings, and that means that Irv Smith is pretty banged up. Uh, Henderson also on the final year of his rookie contract, so should they not want to sign him or deal with him, they can just let him walk. But the point here is that the Jets shipping Herndon to the Vikings definitely shows that Irv Smith is pretty banged up and is definitely not coming back anytime soon. I think they have him on the pup list, which will knock him out for six weeks, but I am not sure. So, um... The Giants then turned around, and the Giants, look, as a Giant fan, I won't talk too much about it, but if you want to know how dysfunctional and terrible the Giants are, look no further than their line free agent additions and trades over the past three years with David Gettleman at the horn. They have now traded for Bengals' Billy Price. They gave B.J. Hill up in the exchange, and then they traded for a guard, Ben Bredersen, uh, Bredesen uh, from the Ravens, and they did that for a fourth rounder. So, um, and I mean, 
pretty amazing that the great David Gettleman this late in the game with days before opening kickoff is still trading for Lyman, which obviously shows you they are not happy with the production they're getting otherwise. Um, injuries, just a bunch of pupless stuff. Uh, Packers tackle David Bakhtiari. He's out six games, as is Patriots cornerback Stephen Gilmore. He's tailing with a torn quad. Saints Michael Thomas, all new. He's on the pop. Chiefs offensive tackle Kyle Long on the pop. So all these guys out six weeks. Bears Tariq Cohen, he's still out battling his uh, ACL injury, as is uh, Saquon Barkley, who is not... Uh, on the pup list, but they're not sure if he's going to play next week, and they don't know if Evan Ingram's going to play next week either because he hurt himself on basically like a non-contact drill in the game on Sunday night uh, when they played... Uh, who the hell did they play? I can't remember offhand. Maybe it was the Eagles. Uh, anyway, so Ingram hurts himself in that last game. Now he's questionable for week one, as is Saquon. And that is all I have got for today. Again, it's cut day. So there is some big news abound, but it looks like we got through mostly all of it. So I will talk to everyone later. Hope you enjoy your day. Uh, coming up, I know the Northeast will be showered in water, so hopefully you will not be us, and you will just enjoy, uh, hopefully sunny weather for the last couple days of summer, uh, you know, at least until the kids go back to school, so, peace out, enjoy, talk to you later.